0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Kick-Ass. It is based on the comic book of the same name by Mark Miller and John Romita Jr. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers.
1: Yeah, and this, this is an interesting one because... The rights to the movie got sold whilst the issues were still coming out. It was only an eight-issue run, a uh, limited series, which Mark Miller has become known for since this because of the success of this specifically. But because of the talks and the putting together of the movie, the last, I believe it was the last three issues, but specifically the last two issues, Massively drawn out, the huge delays in them coming out one at a time. Because um, it was issue six, well, I think it was like a three or four months delayed. Which for something that was coming out about every month, every six weeks, like you felt that you're like, whoa that took a while to come out." Like hopefully the second, then the last two come out at a regular pace. And it was like seven or eight months for issue seven and then i, I think it was all uh, they just kept holding off that final issue until almost i think the trailer was out for the movie when the final issue finally dropped and i was like what is how could it take so long the movie's written surely the comics written what was it and ramita had other Commitments. He <laughs> was just slow. It wasn't like a thing of oh, we'll get it all out so it's on the shelf when the movies like being talked about. It was just because the uh Miller was distracted, Ramita was like, Well, I gotta I'm not Mark Miller, I'm not getting that, that sort of money. I need money now. So he was he was doing his reg- regular monthly comic book work and that held him up on kick It was something he did in his spare time, which for artists. They don't really have a lot of comic book writers can knock out an issue in, say, a week. A comic book artist can typically about six weeks to produce an entire issue's worth of art. It's a much more involved, much more laborious process. Um, But what we get in in the movie is fairly faithful to the original comic. They did make, and I predicted it, Someone who probably like yourself read the comic as it came out, like, ah, they can't do this on a movie. There's no way. No, and they
0: and they changed the ending. I read the comic after the movie, to the point where I read it as a trade paperback, and it had been out for a while. So movie first, then the comic. And there's been so many comics since. And recently they rebooted it, new characters. But I watched this as a film based on the works of Mark Miller, who I knew as the writer from Civil War for Marvel, Superman yeah. Red Son for DC. So right, okay, I know this guy. And I watched the film. I like who's involved, and rushed out to the cinema, and that's where I first watched it. And I'm assuming you would have watched it at the cinema also.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they do a lot, and a lot of these actors like this. <laughs> funny it has two actors who've played the two actors who've played quicksilver <laughs> in this one movie yeah long yeah. before either of them was were, were quicksilver um but they were no ones when this movie came out this was kind of them making it this was their break um and they've both gone on to like fairly big success since um that's of course Aaron Taylor Johnson who plays the title character of Kick Ass, Dave lazuski and Evan Peters, who plays his friend Todd, no surname, just Todd.
0: <laughs> I remember noticing at the time a lot of English cast members and the director Matthew Vaughan, also English. It yeah. wasn't until years later. Now let me just let me just say this: so the movie came out in twenty ten. In 2011, this film won the Empire Award for Best British Film. (laughs) That blew my mind. This is a low-budget British film. Yeah. But you look at it and it's like, hang on, but this is an American superhero movie. How can it be a low-budget British film? But it was mainly shot in the UK. You've got a lot of English cast with American yep. accents. You know, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Mark Strong, Dexter Fletcher. Yeah. The list just keeps going on and on. And obviously, you've got American actors in there as well. But this was essentially a British film. The budget for this film between twenty-eight and thirty million.
1: Yeah, because it was a independent property. They would. It, they, it, superhero movies had made a bid we already had iron man and and all the uh, a bunch of the early marvel characters films up um batman begins superman returns i think we had man of steel by this point as well um no i think man of, man of steel no man of steel was I think 2013 okay so but we had all the uh, most of the uh the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman movies, I think there are two of them by this point. Yeah, the first two. Or or the trailer for Dark Knight Returns was out by this point. This, when the comic came out, it's it's funny that it's actually a TV show now, the boys' comic already existed. Um, And the boys' was, if superheroes were real, superheroes with powers were real, they'd be complete narcissistic assholes who abused the system because, I mean, who was going to stop them? And when you watch the Amazon Prime TV series of the same name, they're taking their cues and plastering it as you would the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DCEU Cinematic Universe because we have a cultural con- uh, connection with those, whereas the comic of the boys is very much in line with comic book arcs and comic book speak and like event comics and things of that nature kick ass is like the upbeat thought process of marvel movies with the gritty realistic like violent stuff from the boys and it's a strange juxtaposition because it's about supposed to be like if you don't have powers and you want to be a real life superhero And they say in the movie, you're going to get your ass kicked because, like, how does a single person stand up against, like, hardened criminals? And they keep their optimism because they're going to get bruises. They're going to get bashed, especially on the face. And if you have a day job, which you're going to need to to pay for yourself to live, how do people not notice these things? You know, how do you keep a secret identity? And unlike superheroes they don't heal overnight or over a week. It takes, I mean, if you get stabbed months to heal from that broken bones, take months to re like to, to heal. Um, and the comics a lot harsher. It starts off with an optimistic tone and gets more and more serious as, from issue to issue um, as the response, as the actual consequences start to hit. In fact, the sequel is even more worse. It's like, it's almost like Mark Miller had a like uh, had gotten kind of sick of the industry and was almost lampooning it, like Garth Ennis does for the boys. Um, but yeah, it's
0: been it's been a while since I've seen the sequel. I purposely held off. I wanted to watch it since doing the rewatch of the first one for this, but I wanted to leave the sequel. I didn't want it to cloud my judgment. I just I watched it at the movies. I bought the Blu-ray, so I've seen it twice in total. I remember with that, I find it really odd at the time, Jim Carrey distanced himself because of all the violence. Well, you kind of knew the movie you were making, but anyway, that's that's the other movie. <laughs> but Matthew Vaughan didn't direct that one, so even though the main actor's come back, yeah, I'd need to go back and do a full rewatch of that. But I've always found of kick-ass ahead of its time. You talk about the boys on Amazon, and everybody loves it. And I think if Kick-Ass was to come out now, but at the time there'd been maybe two Iron Man movies, an Incredible Hulk, and that was it. Whereas now for them to do Kick-Ass, I think the response would be very different. Because going back to when this film first came out, it did generate some controversy for its profanity and violence performed by a child The movie was well-received by both critics and audiences, and over time, it has gained a strong cult following since its release on DVD, Blu-ray. As you mentioned, we did get a sequel, written and directed by Jeff Wadlow. Matthew Vaughn did produce it. That came out in 2013. The main players from the first movie did come back. And as recent as December 20. 21 matthew vaughn revealed that his gritty superhero movie is being rebooted and it's going to be even more controversial than the original film so they're pushing it even further
1: which which can only mean it's going to be more faithful to the comic because the comic was brutal um the big one the change which I, I as I read the comic I'm like they're not gonna be able to do that no way they're gonna be able to do that in a movie um is with the love interest uh Katie Doma played by Lindsay Fonseca um she's like the, the hot popular girl at school who Dave likes um and he tries to impress in the movie it works out uh he's she, she's got a good heart but has been ignoring him because he's a nerd but then after he gets beat up she's like oh because he's he's there's some tragedy she's like you know they call a lame duck is the term they use but she she likes to uh, help those in need she's works at a like a it's like a soup kitchen type deal um for people who are disenfranchised and down in their luck but That's why she initially goes to him, and she hears that he's gay through rumor. So he has to play gay to spend time with her. Although they don't, thankfully they don't do it all campy because that would age terribly. But I knew that they were going to end up together. Or in the comic, when she when he tells her what it is, she's angry before the betrayal. Um, has one of the jocks beat him up, and then texts some. Sexually explicit stuff to him as like rubbing his face in it of like you'll never get this. And I'm like, there's no way they could get away with that in the cinema. Oh. Never, never get away with it. Um, even now, I don't know if you'd get away with that in a cinema release. Streaming service, absolutely, the boys have proved it, other things have proven it. The HBO yeah. series proved it. I'm glad not in the cinema.
0: I'm glad that's not the way they went with the film. And Mark Miller has come out and said. Because the endings are different, he prefers yeah. the ending of the film
1: yeah, over the comics. It, it feels upbeat. Like the other big change is Big Daddy in the movie played like beautifully
0: by Nick okay. Cage. Before we get to all that, like let me just finish up. So I, I mentioned the budget for this film was twenty-eight to thirty million. Box office thirty-six point two million. So again, this is a British film that came out in 2010 the following year the big british film or the big comedy the boat that rocked have you seen that movie yeah so just to put it in context a year before the boat that rocked we got kick ass which had a budget that came under 30 million the boat that rocked cost fifty million. I mean, how they pulled off this movie for that budget. But it clearly did well enough. I mean, not quite 100 million, but it did well enough for them to greenlight a sequel. Unfortunately, it wasn't as successful. But just those comparisons, I was looking, OK, so if this is a British film that came out in 2010. What came out the following year? And again, surprised to find it was the, the boat that rocked. Yeah. You mentioned the comics were still coming out as they're making this movie. The screenplay was written by both Matthew Vaughn and Jane Goldman. And if you're familiar with British chat show host, Jonathan Ross, Jane Goldman is his wife.
1: And uh-huh, she also
0: so. wrote X-Men First Class, which was directed by Matthew Vaughn. They have worked together on quite a few projects.
1: Yeah, and Matthew Vaughn also directed Secret Service. Oh, sorry, The Kingsman, as the movie was called, because he and Mark Miller are actually good friends.
0: Yes, they are. Kingsman, The Secret Service, that movie is incredible. The sequel, I thought was entertaining enough, not as good as at first. It was a lot longer. It was a tighter film, the first one. But we're getting The Kingsman, a prequel, and apparently Vaughn is planning on doing Kingsman 3. And it's going to complete Exes' story. I'm very much looking forward to that. But I guess you talked about it a little bit, or was alluding to it. So, to this film, it was rejected by every studio that Vaughn and Miller approached. Vaughn ended up raising the budget at a dinner party, and he made the movie independently. Vaughn ultimately sold the movie to Universal for more than he had originally. Asked them for. (laughs)
1: There you go.
0: (laughs) But then all the studios wanted it because they were put off by the main thing that people have an issue with was Hit Girl saying the C word. That was it. She was too young for using that language. And after the studio saw the first cut of the film, they asked for more Hit Girl. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yes. She was the reason they were reluctant to make it in the first place. You mentioned, or we have both mentioned a couple of times, artist John Romita Jr. In the film, when you see the comic montage of Damon, a.k.a. Big Daddy, when it's, you're going through his past life, that animated sequence was all illustrated by Romita Jr., which I thought was it looks critical. great. It looks amazing. And on the back of his animation in this film, he got approached to direct a short film, which which he did. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So, yeah, we've got Aaron Johnson as Dave, also known as Kickass. What I didn't know until doing prep for this, though, that the name of the lead character, Dave lazwinski is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. I'm trying to pronounce it that- right. Because his name was chosen at a charity auction run by Kick-Ass Co-creator Mark Miller. And this was prior to the publication of the first issue of the book. The auction winner chose his own name to be used. <laughs> that's so awesome. that's why I wanted to get it right. Because this guy who won this competition for a comic all those years ago, it's now got his name said as the main character in this big Universal movie.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, Big Daddy, uh, Damon McCready, Nicholas Cage, who, when he's in costume as Big Daddy, Adam West Batman.
0: Oh. <laughs> Honestly, from the first moment I heard him, incredible. And do you know what's even like? I love everything about it. Now, I'm a big Nick Cage fan anyway, and I know yeah. in recent years it seems like he'd make anything, <laughs> like yeah. not quite. Bruce Willis, but he's agreed to most things.
1: Yeah, although that being said, he's put out some amazing movies last few years. I mean, some
0: bonkers movies as well, like <laughs> Willie's. Is it Willie's Wonderland? The one where he's like an amusement park. Like, yeah, have you seen that one? It is. Well, I think it's Wally Willie's Wally's. I don't know, I, I've seen it, but it, it's yeah. pretty bonkers, and he's got next to no dialogue in the whole movie yeah it's yeah. just Carlos anyway Bay, pig yes oh pig's meant to be incredible i want to see that but he's he's just been cast as dracula in is it renfeld the, the Renfield, yeah uh yes with um uh, nicholas, nicholas Holt. Holt. so it's I his first wait. big studio film in a while i like this universal but yes his speech pattern the mannerisms on adam west in this film and he didn't tell people this is what he was going to do. He just started doing it. And, That's even
1: better. And,
0: and for Vaughn in particular, he was completely on board. He really liked it because at the time he was irritated by Christian Bale's gravelly voice in The Dark Knight. So yeah. for him to have a completely different approach, yeah, it's it's great. Honestly, I again. I'm a big Nicolas Cage fan, but he is so good in this. Like this, the scenes with with Hit Girl, all of it, incredible. The bits where he's putting the the black paint around his eyes when he's getting suited up as Big Daddy. You know, yeah. his character has a mustache, but as Big yeah. Daddy, he's got a handlebar mustache. He extends <laughs> the mustache. Everything yeah. about it, I love. I mean, the the look of the Big Daddy costume. It clearly looks like Batman, but it was modelled on, I think, like French police riot gear. That's essentially what he's wearing. But Yeah, because he's
1: a former cop. But in the comic, he was actually just a comic nerd who created this whole story to brainwash his daughter into going along with. And he carried around this big case that you assumed was Garnels, Guns or Money. It was his comic book collection that had, like, Detective Comics 27, the first appearance of Batman and stuff like that. That's how he paid for his crime fighting was with his comic book collection. And he was an accountant.
0: Yeah. That was the big difference. It, there's a lot of changes, I think, are for the better in the film.
1: Yeah, could, like the the going to uh, the drug dealer's house, which is how Kick-Ass meets Big Daddy and Hit Girl, because they're hitting it because it's part of the criminal empire of uh, Frank DeMarco, uh, D'Amico. And the reason F- Kick-Ass is there is because as Kick-Ass, he's doing a job for Katie. That wasn't in the comic. That's something they, they orchestrated as one of those things of like, ah, we don't have the same amount of time as your comic would take. We need to find the, a way to get these characters together more organically. And it works so much better. It's a good improvement overall.
0: Yeah, it really it's does. Not
1: rap, it's not it's not just happenstance. It's it's it's, it's it flows,
0: it flows a lot better. Chloe Grace Moretz as Mindy McCready, hit girl. She is absolutely fantastic. Like she is so good in this film. And that's why, again, I do need to revisit the second one. But her being, I mean, it's a couple of years later. So obviously she's older, looks older. It works better, younger. Which you know they yeah. can't do anything about her aging, but I think the character yeah. works so much better in that first film.
1: Yeah, because it's so much—it's such a juxtaposition of this adult-minded, extremely capable, horribly foul-mouthed, like killing machine child. She's she's almost like the prototype for Damian Wayne. For the, oh yes, for Grant Morrison's run. <laughs> That's like, right. I wonder if I wonder if he read Kick Ass first and was like, I want one of those. <laughs> Yeah, especially with a, like um or if it would just happen to be the serendipitous because you know mark miller and grant morrison are both scottish like i'm sure they must run in the same circles
0: yeah i mean i'd imagine so
1: but yeah it's just one of those things that just it works and it is it works well because of the age of like ah oh, this psychotic small child um and you know what though it's
0: it, yes it, it does you know the age and And how she looks, but it's the actress. She really sells it. Like she She sells it like so well. You know, I mentioned they tried shopping around this movie to other studios, and several of them were given the same ultimatum. They'll take it, but the condition was they either drop Hit Girl as a character or they make a 19. Yeah. That's not. That's not. That's not the point. Like she's supposed. Yeah. It's supposed to be like uncomfortable. She's supposed to be too young to be saying the things she's saying. To be doing the violence yeah. that she's doing. Like, that's she that. That's what works. Confident
1: as well. It's um, Batman and Robin. Otherwise, it's just Batman comp- and yeah. Nightwing. Yeah, because she's completely competent and eleven years old, and Dave, who's sixteen years old, because he's still in high school, is. Far less competent and far less able to handle himself, and far more immature than she is. Like it, that's why it works. Like if you make her nineteen, sh- she's his peer. Like yeah, it wouldn't. She is now, but it, it wouldn't it, it, work. It's kind of a little joke of like this is what it, how it should be done, and an eleven-year-old showing you up. Whereas, yeah, if you age her up, is like, yeah, of course she's better than he is. He's, she's older. She has experience. Um, you know, of
0: the actors. Playing high school students, only one of them was actually still a teenager. And it was Aaron Taylor Johnson. He was 19 when he shot this film. Playing so younger, wasn't... but he was 19. Oh, of
1: course. Because the Chris actor Simmons's was 19. Class was a, a teenager when he made Superbad. But by yeah, this And movie, the other actors,
0: is... Evan Peters, they were all older. So it was only yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Okay, let's let's talk about Red Mist. Chris. D'Amico, played by Christopher mintz Plaza. Yeah, wow. I mean, at first glance, when you're first watching it, it's like, he feels so miscast. But when you watch it, it's like, I get it. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, really, he's really good in this. You know, his final, or one of his final lines, I can you watch it today, one of his final lines in the movie, as a great man once said, wait till they get a load of me. Obviously, quoting Jack Nicholson done. in Batman. Okay, I knew it was either one of or the final line. Yeah, there's a lot of fun with this character, and it's so interesting because he's meant to be the supervillain, the superhero, but there's a moment where he's like, we're actually good friends. And then he no longer wants anything bad to happen to kick ass because he finds out they've got a lot of things in common. Because that's
1: what's, what's so good about them. They're the same yeah. guy, except... Uh, kick-ass is a normal teenager from a normal like income background and red mist is the son of a mobster so there's an inherent like he's familiar with people who are bad and and do bad things for money and he's and from the family who's benefited off this so he doesn't see anything bad about it but you know his dad's kind of a no, norman osborne in like the way of like the fucking comic book stuff like what is going on yeah yeah you said he was dressed like Batman. i didn't you did (laughs) (laughs) trey yeah yeah yeah. i never said batman (laughs) but that's i think that's why it works because he never had the courage to do what kick-ass does but he finds an excuse to do it for a terrible reason but it does work and he gets his dad to flip the bill. Like I get my Batmobile, the Red Mist Mobile, like a sweet 2008 G4 GT500 Super Snake. But it works because of the fact that they are the same person. I mean, they even go to the same comic book store and he tries to approach him earlier on. The and movie that's to it, make
0: yeah. Yeah, you see him like, in the background a couple of times, yeah. But it's that bit in the car, and it's when Dave's dancing to the music. And yeah. then Chris looks at him, and is a bit put off initially. But then, kind of, get he finds the groove, and then they're dancing together. But that's yeah. on the way for a trap for Kickass.
1: Yeah, yeah. They like you said he, he finds so, because so they are the same person. Yeah, uh, that you know they're from the same like nerd social circle of like they're outsized because he's isolated because people won't be with him because of his rich dangerous family. Uh, and dave's ostracized because he's a nerd he's has none of the attributes that attract other anyone else except his other two nerdy friends like it yeah it's a smart move um which i said the casting really works the performance really works oh, and across across the board and playing chris's dad frank
0: d'amico mark strong Who's almost? <laughs> but he's almost always a bad guy. We mentioned Kingsman earlier. I've pretty much spent the whole movie waiting, waiting for him to be a bad guy. Bad? Never, yeah. happened. never happened. Never <laughs> yeah. happened. So it's always it's always rare when he turns out to be a good guy. That's why it was novel watching a film like Grimsby. Yeah, also known where as Brothers like a... Grimsby, where he's a good guy yeah he's a james bond type has a lot of fun with with that movie but it's novel see him as a good guy because more often than not like this film is a bad guy but he does yeah, play um, very well
1: Yeah, but there's a zany quirkiness about him that makes him like <laughs> that's a strange sounding bazooka and like um fucking batman and like <laughs> spider-man i get you get the plates he wants spider-man who wants Kit kick like he He's obviously got some small traits that his son has in terms of nerdiness, but because of his like gangster things, those were shut off. But yeah, there's like a silliness about him that kind of works with the whole thing. I, it again is that juxtaposition of this is a very capable, very dangerous, very powerful man that has these strange little quirks. I'm like, huh, like it, yeah, it, it helps humanize him a bit and maybe yeah. make those violent things like. More palatable when they happen because uh, it's like the Joss Wen thing—like do something really heartfelt and then immediately undercut it with a joke to keep it to keep your the tone and balance correct. Yeah.
0: Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of tone, actually, we've kind of we've mentioned the c-word or that we've we've said that it's it's mentioned in the movie. Family groups were in uproar when the first clips went viral because of a 13-year-old Chloe Grace Moret's facility with violence and the (laughs) C-word. A lot of people were put off by that, but like we've already said, it's part of why it works, and just the contrast in her being so young, but so violent, the bad language. This is a violent film. Yeah. Not as violent as the comic. The body count, 59. There was a lot of death
1: in this <laughs> really movie. High.
0: You mentioned the the bazooka, and and with that, the film starts small because the idea is that like it's going to be more gritty. It's meant to be in the real world. I mean, it starts with the narration that you to think is kick-ass, but isn't. Yeah, I know it is kick-ass, isn't it? But you're to think he's up on the, the rooftop, but seeing, it's yeah, but it's the guy that jumps off. Everyone's amazed. It falls and he dies,
1: and that sets the a tone for. Thirty-five-year-old where... Armenian with a history of <laughs> mental issues. It sets the
0: tone for where you are, what this world's going to be—a world without superheroes. But then you do find out about Big Daddy, Hit Girl, who themselves are influenced by TV, comics. But what I love about this film, there's a slow escalation. I mean, Dave gets beat up that badly that a lot of his nerve endings are damaged, so therefore he doesn't feel pain. Like normal people would, so yes, right. Okay, down. yeah. So it's yeah. So there's something happening there, but it's still fairly grounded. But then whether it's what's going on with Frank D'Amico and his men and Red Mist, that it escalates to the point where it starts off fairly standard, but when you get to the the big battle at the end, and as well as a bazooka, you've got kickass. With a (laughs) jetpack,
1: with two Gatling
0: guns on it, (laughs) with two Gatling guns. But it, you you had to go on that journey. Like you You couldn't go from the opening to the jetpack. You just couldn't. Yeah. But I love that slow escalation. So every time I watch it, I always think the same thing. You watch the movie from the beginning to the end, and when you get that, I feel as though it earns that ending. Like it's big, it's ridiculous, but we've gradually you know whether it's the quirky characters the dialogue the visuals it gets sillier and sillier and it gets bigger and it allows them to have the ending that they have
1: yeah and the uh, choreography as well the the action set pieces get bigger and uh better put together as well you start off with kick-ass who can't handle himself so he's taking a pretty big beating and barely surviving and they get and he gets slightly more competent, but not competent. Um, and then he meets Hit Girl, who easily t- dispatches a group of people who are going to whoop him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, She starts cutting, still, putting it, off limbs. Yeah, but it's still small. It's just because like, she dispatches them so easily because there's, there's so nobodies to her. And then you get your big, big daddy scene in the warehouse, and you see that's competence. Like, that is, yeah. Like, and as I said, each set, each time you go into an action sequence, it gets bigger and more stylized and more effective. And the choreography, like, and longer, like they really do. You don't have your best scene in the middle. It's It works its way up.
0: It, it does. Like, so I it, you it, it earns it. It escalates. But even some of the smaller things, when you get kick-ass, I mean, essentially when The first goes out, he does get his ass kicked. And then he ends up in hospital. And... But from that, when he's he's coming back, and he sees a guy getting beat up in the street and he goes and protects him and people are attacking him and there's witnesses and there's just, there's something powerful about that, that he is just a guy in a suit. And it's, it's what you like all these movies to have, like whether it's a Marvel movie DC or something like Kick-Ass is have those superhero moments, have those moments, those memorable moments. And Kick-Ass does have a lot and him protecting that guy outside the diner. is definitely one of those moments but then, yes, the bigger ones you're talking about with Big Daddy in the warehouse. You've got the strobe lighting. I. It's Both all played camera. out. Yes, it's all played out beautifully. But it's worth noting what's talking about these scenes, though the music and talking about really. the score. This this movie has three composers credited, and. Yeah. The really interesting one to note is John Murphy. Okay, the music during the rescue scene, I just mentioned it, the one with the strobe lighting. Yeah. That music is Ardigio in D minor by John Murphy, but it was originally written for and featured in the Danny Boyle movie Sunshine, which came out in 2007.
1: That movie, I'm like, I recognise this. This isn't
0: this movie. That movie also starred Mark Strong. And there's another example of that. The song composed for Big Daddy's raid in Frank D'Amico's warehouse is based on "In the House in a Heartbeat." The song was originally used in 28 Days Later in 2002 again in 28 Weeks Boyle Later Baby. in 07 and was composed by John Murphy. There's some slight uh-huh. changes and the name of the track is different in the movie Kickass the track is called Big Daddy Kills but it's a variation but almost I mean it's very very similar. See, it's yeah. one of those things. that I remember Emotively, the, first time, it's the same. first time I was watching kick he's like, I really like this, but it's familiar. Well, I knew it from 28 Days Later. And then yeah. the strobe effect scene. So, again, there's three composers. John Murphy, I don't know if he's credited because they use some of his music, which I'm assuming he owns. Like there's yeah. other movies, a smaller movies, So you can imagine that he didn't have to give his rights up to a studio, so maybe he does own that. Yeah. Other composers, Henry Jackman, who worked with Vaughn, I believe, on X-Men First Class. I'm pretty sure Jackman composed that. And, yeah, again, and there's there's other composers. So it's one of those things where it's not an expensive movie, not by Hollywood standards. So it's almost like... You know, whether Vaughn has been leaning on his friends a little bit, like, hey, what can we do here? But
1: however the music came about... It doesn't have to be original. I just need need you uh, to get this across.
0: However it came about, I'm so thankful for it, because even though hearing that and knowing that it's not original to this film, the score is phenomenal. The score and the soundtrack, the music choices, like mentioning that the jetpack scene and you get Elvis Presley... Yeah, there's so many, there's so many good songs. I mean, the the title songs. Right at the beginning of the movie, you've got the song by Mika, and the the movie is just chock full of great scores and music, which yeah, absolutely adds so much to it. Like everything they were doing with this movie, they were doing it right. Like again. Yeah. Like finding out all these years later, this is a low budget British film where it was all this time. You thought it was a decent sized Hollywood movie.
1: Yeah. and Even I thought the same thing. I'm like, there's no way this was small budget. Like they'd proven superhero movies could make large budgets 10 years before this one came out. Like surely, surely this had a decent budget on it. Like, I mean, you know, we wouldn't, like, oh, you want to throw away 30 million? Yeah, you can throw it our way, but for a movie, for a movie these yeah. days, this movie would cost easily 100, probably more towards 150. Oh, like, yeah, more so many more times the cost that actually got my and for the quality of the the cast, the director, the, the music ability like, this was firing on all cylinders. The only thing that's aged poorly, really is the cgi on the jetpack at the end it's not terrible it's just that's where they didn't have the budget to do better but i think
0: i think for me i do recognize that but i i know we're close to doing our rating i i love this film i have done (laughs) ever since that first viewing so i yes i recognize what you're saying there the visuals at the end but this movie had earned my respect, I'd enjoyed the ride, so I'm like, Yep, okay, whatever, doesn't matter, just gonna yep. get on and enjoy the rest of the movie. But uh, if you're gonna rate this out of five,
1: pretty high, um, probably four out of five, I'd say. Um, the only things that really take away. Uh, I just—we've seen things come out since this, which is which because of this, have been able to push further. That's the only weakness this movie actually has—is it was the first, it was the first, and had to do it the hard way. Whereas these days, as we both said, they would have had a larger budget; they they would have been freer to do certain things um, differently. Uh, I mean. The makeup effects and the special effects—they could have gone bigger and more bombastic. Um, Only some of the things could have been uh, more nuanced. They could have had a longer runtime, even the sort of things that they wouldn't have been able to. They had to make it slip. They had to—they couldn't have any fat on this. No, it's not all trimmed off.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's it for the for the budget. Yeah, I think the runtime it's somewhere around one hour forty. Yes, yeah.
1: um, it's, it's a I decent. I wouldn't want it too entire. much longer. I wouldn't want it too much longer because you'd be padding it out. But I just think that they they could have taken some these days. They might try some more expensive things, some practical things. Like I think I'm pretty sure these weren't squibs and things of that nature for the wounds. I think pretty sure this was the post production splatter, which is it, apparently very common now um, because if you need to do multiple takes to get the action, you don't have to take all the time to clean up. Uh, yes. Reapply all the squibs and that kind of stuff and mend the costumes and then go for a second thing. So it's quite common for them to use this now, but again, this was early days of that kind of tech. So it looks more effective now. Um, but Matthew Vaughn's also a bigger name. He could insist on practical um for that kind of stuff. Like I will make it work. We'll get it in one, trust me. Like, yeah, I just think that's the only real downside on this one is it was it ha- came out too early before they could really capitalize. But four out of five, easy recommend. Yeah. A lot of fun. It's it is violent, so it's not something you want to watch with uh, younger children around, but it works. On every level it 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 really hits squarely exactly where they're aiming as i said no no fat on this perfect application um and matthew vaughn shows why he like when you watch kingsman like why that especially that first one it works so well yeah
0: yeah yeah kingsman is very very polished i i'm just going to come in with a full five a full five i recognize the points that you've made but there's just something about them financing themselves and just making the movie that they wanted to make and I I love it every viewing I've had I could just go back and watch it now I get so much enjoyment out of this movie and, it, and it's all of it like it's a well put together movie the actors
1: the passion that obviously everyone had, which is yeah, why
0: it's, they could pull it off. Everybody is making the movie that they want to make. And it is such a joy to watch each time. And in the opening, we're talking about the comic and I'm glad they have changed the ending for this film. It's a much better ending, much more of a Hollywood ending. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, I just love it. I, I could just just sit and listen to the, to the score or the soundtrack on loop, just watch the movie again. I get so much joy out of this film. I can't believe it's taken us this long to actually <laughs> review Kick Ass, honestly. I thought we'd have done it yeah. way before now. But, um, yeah, and I'm you know, sure there's the many more things, there's many more examples of things we've not got to yet, which we shall.
1: Yeah. The one thing I'll say about the comic ending, which is it's just a line of dialogue, which I understand why it wasn't added because it brings. The t- the ending like yeeha they just finished it off takes it away a peg but in the comic when they finish the final raid to take out uh, Frank D'Amico um afterwards when they're about to separate um, or whether they the, they're kind of settling down a little bit Hit Girl says okay it's all done you might, can I get a hug please I've just lost my dad and it's such a poignant line like. She just had to get through it, like in the comics. She's doing cocaine in the elevator because she's psyching herself up. Oh, like, yeah we
0: we didn't even talk
1: about it. Like we,
0: we talked about the the action and and the score, the music they used, the death of Big Daddy. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. In he's wh- dying, I didn't realize in his dying moments, he's giving Hit Girl instructions on how to take down the bad guys His
1: tactical knowledge His and i just was watching yes i didn't realize what he was yelling out because i was too caught up in the scene but this time when i was watching i'm like wait a minute he said telling her what she needs whilst he's on fire Once he's
0: on fire whilst he's dying but and this is the thing like, and you always hear about this like whenever you'll watch something movie tv it doesn't matter and then you'll get like a long list of other actors they either wanted or approached or whatever that may be other actors were talked about. They obviously weren't with Nick Cage. I am so glad, not just being a fan of Nick Cage, but he's so suited to this film. And Cage yeah. has such a personality on and off camera. And in that moment, like he goes so big, like he's going, not quite face off, but he's almost going full Nick Cage. The way yeah. that, yes, he's giving
1: tactical instructions, but... The way that he's screeching and ah, oh, I just it's yeah, you, uh, you believe because he's got to get he's he's in pain and he has, but he needs to, and so which is why he's yelling in such a way. But he's also got oh, the, but the a, wherewithal yeah. to be like, I need to get over the sound of the gunfire so she can make out what I'm saying. But he's it's
0: doing important. it in a way that only Nick Cage can, and he really yeah. sells it so well. But he just really speaks to the character like in his dying moments. He's looking out for his daughter I mean yeah the opinion could be well he spent the whole film putting her in harm's way but <laughs> he's, at the same time he's oh it was just yeah it was yeah. a great moment right. but again yeah. as well as you've got the you've got the visuals, you've got the performance but then you've got that score it, it's just yeah. everything comes together perfectly and it's moments like that that just has me just absolutely loving this film
1: same I, can't, I gotta agree <laughs> well that's it for our episode all about Kickass. if you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode you can find us on facebook as sounds like comics podcast
0: you've been listening to luke and jay the guys from sounds like comics see you soon